Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome, and thank you for tuning into this week's, the final season of season four of Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, the season finale, where the most bizarre, the most gruesome, the most high profile homicide cases in Maryland, they are discussed, they are examined, and they are profiled. Now on this season, season four, the focus has been on high-profile murder-suicide cases in Maryland, and we have profiled nine high-profile murder-suicide cases that have occurred in the state of Maryland. This season, we profiled cops who couldn't handle their emotions and they committed murder-suicides. Murder We've profiled a daughter who apparently couldn't deal with her mother and she zapped out on her, but she couldn't live with herself later. We've even profiled the expected murder-suicide cases of where there's a history of mental illness and the killer just couldn't cope with life and they couldn't cope with the loss of their finances, anything like that that could be a trigger. All of these are reasons or motives for a killer to kill and to kill themselves. It can be explained away and all of these cases, um, they were high-profile. They were, you know, kind of notable, kind of something that occurred in Maryland where everybody remembered a little bit, but none of them, none of these murder-suicides, none of these high-profile murder-suicides cases, none of them grinds my gears like the high-profile infamous murder-suicide case that we're going to discuss tonight, and that's the murder-suicide case of Raji Sharif Black. Okay, now this is 2022. Now crazy comes in all types of shapes. It comes in all types of forms. It comes in all personalities and diagnoses and all of that. Crazy can look like you and crazy can look like me. Who the hell knows what's on the mind of Rajiv Black when he decided to quote unquote make the news, break the internet, go viral, do whatever what y'all want to call it, but try to be Facebook famous and do the unspeakable. What exactly was on his mind? 44-year-old Rashi was on paper. He was workable. He was sane. On He was normal. I mean, he had to have somewhat of a brain and some intelligence because he managed to complete the intensive training and schooling it takes to become a certified registered anesthesiologist nurse which is how he made his living. He literally made a, a, a living administering drugs to people, but inside, apparently, he was struggling with inner turmoil. He didn't really handle his inner demons all that well either because he got into it with his co-workers at his job. He got into it with ex-girlfriends. He managed to make a few enemies here and there. In April of 2020, 
Rajiv got fired from his job at the University of Maryland Capital Regional Help after he snitched on another co-worker that this co-worker had been hiding drugs in his locker. Um, Rajiv, he worked for that hospital for more than three years, and after that, he got fired in January of 2021. After he got fired, he filed a lawsuit with the University of Maryland Medical Center um, System saying that after it was exposed or made known that he had been the whistleblower or the snitch on, on his job, that after he did that, that he claimed that ain't nobody want to fuck with him no more. They ain't want to work with him no more. And he basically was the outcast on that job. So he decided to file suit against University of Maryland suing them. So strike one, that was a blow to his ego. And especially from the loss of respect that he received from his co-workers. You know, and especially for a job that he had given three years of his life to, that was kind of like a, a blow to his ego. Now, he wasn't no angel himself, though. Before he start blaming everybody for this, that, and third, he wasn't no angel himself. Before he goes snitching on another doctor who was taking drugs, allegedly, two years before any of this happened, in July and September of 2018, Raji had at least two domestic violence charges filed against him by other ex-girlfriends. In March of 2019, Raji had a peace order issued against him and yet another domestic violence charge had been filed against him as recent as April of 2020. He had issues with either letting go, being controlling, not getting his way or whatever, but obviously he had issues dealing with other women. Now, he... Had eventually he got married in December of 2012 to his wife Wendy Black, but the couple divorced six years later in 2018. Together they had two little girls, a four-year-old and a five-year-old, and now they both were fighting tooth and nail, battling it all out in court over custody, over visitation, who was the better parent, who did this, who did that. I mean, she won't let me do this, he won't let me do that. And whatever motion this fool could think of, just to prolong the stress of divorce and all this bullshit, he just kept filing motions and filing motions. He does manage to land employment again, though. I mean, he was making decent money working at the United States Department of Veteran Affairs, where he continued to do his thing, dosing out needles of anesthesia for whatever surgeries or procedures that needed his expertise. Sometimes he, you know, um, administered drugs for epidurals and all of that other stuff. So now he has his own place. They're divorced. Um, he's living in a nice apartment in the 7600 block of Ironworks Way in Hanover, Maryland. These type of dudes, you know, they look sort of decent on paper, especially with the good jobs and all of that. But simmering on the edge of their mind is undiagnosed mental illnesses. These are the type of dudes who start tripping out of nowhere when things don't go their way. So anyway, he and his wife get divorced. He's battling her in court over whatever. He starts dating another woman. She realizes that the other woman realizes that he is too depressing. He's too emotionally damaged. So she moves on. Raji does this, he does the same this time he you know he moved on and he met another girl uh, hooked up with another lady another co-worker this time her name was 41 year old Tara LeBlanc now like Raji 
Um, Tara was a certified registered nurse anesthesiologist. She started her career working at Alta Bates Summit Medical Center in California. She spent more than five years at Casa Permanente in 2008 before moving on to Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital in California. Just like Raji, she did a stint with the University of Maryland Capital Regional Health, which is where she met him and their paths crossed. Now, later she started working at Ascension St. Agnes Hospital. Now, I'm sure when Tara met Raji and they started dating, I'm sure he came across as a dude who had his shit together. Tara soon became pregnant by him and shortly after that, she probably saw what all the other chi- other chicks saw before her. She saw the same thing that they saw. She also probably saw signs of why he and his wife, he and his ex-wife were fighting it out in court or over who did whatever or what with the kids. And she probably saw why he reportedly filed motion after motion of this not going his way, of that not going his way. I mean, according to articles in the Baltimore Sun, both Raji and his wife, 42-year-old Wendy Natalie Black, they were already divorced, but the fighting, the court battles, they raged on and on like the divorce was still fresh, like they were still living in the same house. In three years, over 3,600 pleading documents have been filed in this case with this motion, and that motion being filed, which is, all of this is really excessive as fuck. I mean, dudes like this, they say they, they want to move on. They say they want you to move on. They say they don't want to be part of your life and all this other stuff. But they just want to keep dragging shit on and on just to cause unnecessary stress. Just to try to make it seem like everybody else is as miserable as they are. Just to drag everybody down. I mean, right from the beginning, Raji's ex-wife, Wendy, she begged the courts for protection against him, saying in her written report that Raji was violent. She said he was unpredictable. She said he was mentally stable. In other words, she said he was freaking crazy. And in her words, she said he was determined to kill her. Like, what the fuck more would you need? Like, why? (laughs) Judges, they don't think that the mother of his kids or the women that was in his life, the, basically, they don't think that she actually wants, they, they think that these women want to actually stand up there in front of a judge and admit to the world that you fucked up and murdered a monster and need help? They think that this is easy for a woman to do in the first place? I mean, people think it's easy and spiteful to do, you know, to your ex-husband or to somebody that you would married with, but to be denied a protective order by a judge when you desperately need it? Really? I mean, people think that this shit is done out of spite when actuality is done for your own safety and safety for your own kids. In Wendy's report, she actually wrote that Rajiv threatened to kill me with a gun. She said he has access to weapons, guns, and he has been known to abuse drugs and alcohol. She said he has pushed, shoved, threatened, and beaten me in the past. I am afraid of him and his anger, and I do not know what he is capable of doing to me and the girls. I don't feel that we are safe. I do not feel safe at all. I feel that my life is in danger. She wrote in her report that Raji literally told her, I'm coming for you. Now, what did he do? Raji files his own claims of abuse, saying that his ex-wife, she tried to run him over with her car. I mean, I wonder why. And she said he accused her of 
and he accused her of hiding her address from him. No shit. And in hiding her address, he said that she was hiding the kids from him. This went on and on, fighting endlessly in court with her filing motions and Rajiv filing motions. Till finally, in April of 2020, a childcare provider, she filed a, a, a petition, basically a motion to keep Rajiv away from his daughters. And in the motion, she accused him um, of sexually abusing his daughters. Now, although that petition was denied by the judge, the judge did order Raji to start paying $5,000 in attorney fees to his ex-wife, well, basically to her lawyers, because he had refused to kick out all of his pay stubs. He refused to kick out his tax returns to try to, you know, determine how much money he was making. And basically, he refused to cooperate with the legal proceedings and all that stuff that it takes to go through a divorce he wouldn't turn over this document. He wouldn't turn over that. So she had to get a lawyer to try to get him to turn over the documentation. Um, most importantly, he wouldn't turn over the documentation that he had been seeing a therapist. Um, basically to prove that he had problems with his relationships, problems um, in the marriage, problems with himself, and problems at his job. You know, all that stuff that you got to turn over when you're going through a hellish divorce or custody battle, he refused to do it. So, and a week before he actually snapped, Raji, he had accused his wife of not following through on a court-ordered child custody exchange, yet another hearing had been scheduled in court for later the following month. Something else to go back and forth to court about, oh, she won't let me see the kids, she won't do this, blah, 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 blah. Like Raji, Wendy also worked as a certified registered nurse anesthesiologist except she worked at Howard County General Hospital in Columbia. She had her own money. She had her own life. She simply just wanted to move on. Now, on Saturday, December 11th, 2021, Raji said, fuck all of that. Fuck you moving on. And he snapped because he couldn't get his way. First, he started with his ex-girlfriend. According to his own words, they had an argument a fight, and just like his ex-wife was doing, Tara had threatened to keep their child, who wasn't even born yet, away from him. Think about that for a minute. I mean, she had to have seen something. He had to have said something, anything, something for him, for, I mean, a female to be like, look, I see why your ex-wife keep, keep your kids away from you. She had to have said or seen something for her to be that way. I mean... All of these women obviously wasn't lying and they saw something in him that made him dangerous. They all saw something in him that a judge couldn't see. Either way, after an argument with his pregnant girlfriend, Raji kicked in the back door of her home in the 1500 block of Marshall Street in Federal Hill and shot her several times ending her life with no mercy. Then, with the full intention of doing the same to his wife, Raji drove to Columbia where his ex-wife lived and waited for her to get there. He had his two young daughters in his car with him, but that didn't stop him because he was flat out on a mission. After he breaks into his ex-wife's apartment, he pulls out his phone and decides to record the next set of events broadcasting on Facebook Live. The video shows Raji waiting outside for his wife 
and he speaks into the camera with a complete straight face. He says, I never thought I would be doing this, but I'll make it quick. For everybody out there that has supported me and really know what's going on, thank you all. I've been going through a custody battle. I've been going through having my ex-wife say I'm molesting my children and all kinds of craziness. I've been fighting for custody for three years, so you know it's been, it's been real crazy. So I, going through it with my ex-wife, so blah, blah, blah. So I started dating somebody new and she got pregnant and we got into a fight. And the first thing she does is start threatening that she's going to do the same. You're never going to see your kid, blah, blah, blah. It's the holidays, man. I don't have no family, nothing. Anyway, I just did something crazy. I just shot my ex-girlfriend in the head, yo. I fe it felt like a dream. I never thought I would be that guy. I can't go to prison. So the person that really started my depression and all of this is my ex-wife. So she's next. And then I'm going to do myself too. But I just want to say this to people. Don't play with people's emotions, man. Don't lie on these men. Oh, here's my wife right here. Today is the day. Now, this video is only 1.33 seconds long. 1 minute 33 seconds long. But it's everything and it's enough. I, I, I can't even... I mean, shortly after he posted this video, the Howard County Police responded to reports of gunfire and found the bodies of both Raji and his ex-wife shot dead lying in the vestibule of the apartment building in the 7300 block of Edenbrook Drive in Columbia. Wendy's neighbor, whose ring camera recorded six shots, he saw Reggie's gray BMW X3 in the parking lot still running. The neighbor peeped inside. He saw two little girls still inside the car. One of them was crying and he tried talking to them to comfort them and calm them down. Even though Raji was a simmering, ticking time ball, Wendy's protective order was denied because possibly Raji had a good job. He did this or said that to the judge and he never came across as somebody who was deranged or mentally unstable. But we do know this. His ex-wife and his ex-girlfriend wasn't the only woman that complained about how unstable and depressed Raji was. After he killed himself, Another ex-girlfriend of Rajiv's came forward and said she knew that Rajiv suffered from severe depression, but she had to move on because he wouldn't or couldn't get help for it. She released a statement that read, I felt like I was the only support system for him in a way, but I had to choose my own sanity. I had to choose my own well-being when I broke up with him. I still loved him incredibly, but I know that I had to put myself first. I couldn't be a part of it because he wouldn't get help. He never cursed at me. He never raised a voice at me. He always told me because of what I had been in a previous relationship of being abused that he would never hurt me. That's what he said to me. She shared. She also shared with the media a text where Raji had texted her, there was a time that I was so low that I didn't want to live anymore. It was you that helped me get through it. Now, the murder of both nurses devastated their families, especially Wendy's families, whose daughters, basically, they lost both of their parents in an instant, in the blink of an eye. Um, Wendy reportedly, no doubt, adored her girls, and she wanted only the best for them. Now, Tara, 
her mother her murder shocked co-workers and the ascension saint agnes hospital released a statement that read the ascension saint agnes community is devastated by the loss of tara leblanc a certified registered nurse anesthesiologist on our team we are shocked and saddened by this news and our thoughts and prayers are with tara's family as a catholic healthcare community we are wrapping our arms around her fellow co-workers in care and support throughout this difficult time. Our spiritual care department and employee assistance program mobilized to care for those who need it most. Tara will be greatly missed in her community and by all of Ascension St. Agnes. Now, trust me, this murder-suicide was notorious in the state of Maryland because... Hey, this dude obviously wanted a little bit of internet fame um, to broadcast a confession and basically a murder on Facebook Live. Even though this is 2022 and, you know, the shock value is kind of low on things that we have seen on social media. I was shocked when I seen this one. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, he came across to me as extremely arrogant. Um... I can't get my way about things, so this is how I'm going to carry it. Um, I know dudes that are like this, and they don't consider themselves mentally ill, but I think you fucked up in the head. Um, claim to love your kids so much. You claim to love them so much, but yet and still you ruin their lives. You ruin their lives. Um, I, I, I look at it like this. Even though he didn't pull the trigger on those two girls, you might as well head. Um, you, you basically ruined, altered the course of their life and that's you caring about them. Um, who even knows if the allegations of abuse, uh, were true that the wife made or that the daycare provider made whatever. I, I look at it like this. If you know, if you were a dude and you know, you have a history of, you know, uh, turmoil with women like, for instance, run your background. Go on case search and run your background. If you got two, three, four, five domestic... That's not the women. That's you. And if it's always like, okay, well, she was a bitch and she did this and she did that. That's you. That's not the woman. You need some therapy. You need some mental health counseling or something because you have a problem with your relationships. You have a problem with women. Something. That's an issue that you have going on with you and you need help. Not her. Not her. Um... So what he was in a, a doctor or anesthesiologist doing drugs and this, that, who cares? He could not keep, you, you can't keep women. You can't keep them satisfied. I mean, they obviously think something is wrong with you. That's why they keep leaving. You know, he, I, this whole situation, it could have been avoided if the judge would have signed the protective order. I mean, these judges that are in, in basically responsible for determining whether a woman or not is safe. Um, I think they should be held accountable for the, the mistakes that they made because if the, if the protective order would have been signed and issued and he would have been, you know, able to stay away from her legally, they, they ain't no telling, you know, if she could, it's possibility she could still be alive, both of them. Um, I just be believe that this was a situation that could have been avoided. Um, next time I, I, you know, when these judges are in these positions, 
where they have to issue protective orders. They need to start listening to women when they say that they are 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 in fear. Um, who cares what his background look like? Who cares what his income look like? Who cares what his job look like? This is the result of that. I mean, I wonder, you know, that the judges that deny the protective orders and when tragedies like this happen, I wonder, do they feel a certain way? Like the, if they could have changed the outcome, if they could have changed the situation. I mean, this was a crime that's not even a year old yet. But trust me, this is going to be one that's going to be notorious in murder in Maryland for a while. This is going to be one of the ones, one of the most famous murder-suicide cases that we had in a while, simply for the fact that he recorded it this for Facebook Live. But I'm quite sure there are plenty of men that feel this way, um, that especially ones that are going through custody cases and divorces and stuff like that. But I wonder what was in his mind to actually make him take the steps to do it and just say, fuck everything. I don't care about this job. I don't care about this money. I don't care about nothing. I'm just not going to be here no more. Now, that this... Because of that mentality, yeah, this 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 murder-suicide case right here is definitely going to be one that's going to be notorious in Maryland for a while. This episode's unsolved homicide is the shooting murder of 19-year-old Javel Keith. Now, as in the beginning of the premiere episode of this podcast, or each episode... Each episode has always profiled an unsolved homicide that occurred in Maryland that needs attention. Now, this podcast features many murders that may or may not always be notable, especially for the unsolved portion. In other words, to be featured on this podcast as an unsolved homicide, the crime or murder doesn't always have to be notorious as in the first portion of each of these episodes. To explain, to make that sound a little bit more simpler, the name of this podcast is Maryland's Most Notorious Murders. So we start off each episode with a homicide that has been notorious. But each episode also features a portion where an unsolved homicide is profiled. Now, the unsolved homicide does not always have to be a case where the victim was well known or this was a high profile crime because these type of murders don't always get the attention um that they deserved and they to be point to be honest these homicides just get brushed to the side no focus no attention no anything so you know sometimes a victim who was killed and their murder didn't get the attention or the media that it deserved and the case just falls apart and goes to the wayside now, although that victim may not have been special to somebody, you know, like the media or something like that, I'm quite sure they were special and everything to the friends, to their friends and family, and they deserve justice. They deserve answers just like everybody else, no, regardless of the lifestyle that they were living, regardless of the type of person they were, they deserve answers and justice just like any other victim. And with that being said... This episode's unsolved homicide is the shooting death of 19-year-old Javel Heath. On March 27, 2012, around 2 p.m., 19-year-old Javel Heath was shot in the 1100 block of East Belvedere Avenue on the grounds of the Yorkwood apartment complex in Northeast Baltimore in the Glen Oaks neighborhood. Javel was shot in the head, and according to Baltimore City Police, when they showed up, 
Javel was conscious and able to talk to them, but he was uncooperative when trying to figure out who shot him. Javel was rushed to John Hopkins Hospital, but unfortunately, he died two days later on March the 29th. Now, this murder, this homicide happened in 2012, and the Baltimore City detectives, they have absolutely nothing. Javel was just another dude who got shot, basically. There is a $2,000 reward for any information that leads to an arrest or conviction in this crime. So, clear your conscience, people. Lavelle's family deserves answers. If anyone has any information at all, no matter how trivial it may seem, please call Cold Case Detectives at 410-396-2100. Or you can call them at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also send a text message to 443-902-4824. You can even email them at homicidetips at baltimorepolice.org. Once again, people, those numbers are Baltimore City Cold Case Detectives at 410-396-2100. You can call them at 1-866-7-LOCKUP. You can also send a text message to 443-902-4824. You can even email them at homicide tips, that's tips with an S, at baltimorepolice.org. You can remain anonymous, people. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast for updates on future spine-tingling hair-raising, high-profile episodes. Also, for paid subscribers, be sure to check out the real, the unedited, the raw truth of how and why, how and why I do what I do. Why did I even start a true crime podcast? Why do I always talk about killers and murderers and blood and gore? I mean, a lot of people think I just woke up one day and decided to start writing and decided to start talking about killers and whatnot, but that is hardly true. Trust me. I mean, there is a full-blown method to this crazy madness of which you hear me spew out every week. This was no overnight success. It was no overnight gimmick. It wasn't just something I just woke up one day and was like, boom, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start talking and writing about crime. I mean, trust me, there's a method to this madness. Um, also, be sure to pay a visit to the new website, www.MarylandsMostNotoriousMurders.com. Now, Marilyn is spelled M-D-S, not written all the way out, but it's www.MDSMostNotoriousMurders.com. Once you visit that site, you can get immediate access to all of the episodes that have been pre-recorded, not just for season four, but for all of the episodes that have been released to date you can also check out the website for links to all of the books that are related to this podcast entitled Maryland's Most Notorious Murders, 1990-2008, Maryland's Unsolved Homicides, Volume 1, um, Until I Get Caught, The True Story of a Serial Rapist in Baltimore, um, as well as links to my bestsellers, Junkie, A True Baltimore Story, and Child of Baltimore, and also... Um, the updated future release of Maryland's uh, Most Notorious Murders, 2009 to 2020. 
Um, be sure to tune in next week where the season premiere of season five will be the focus and another high profile, another heinous, another bizarre murder that occurred in Maryland will be profiled, it will be examined, and it will be discussed on Maryland's most notorious murders. This has been a Savage Life production. <laughs>